Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're in a series uh, called uh, A Generous Life, and um, we've been in that series, A Generous Life, where the series is designed to accomplish two purposes. The first purpose is just to understand the generosity of our God, the wonders of our God, his creation, the love that he has for us. That's the first purpose that is designed for this series. The second purpose that is so important for us to understand is this. When we practice living a generous life, it will change you. Generosity when we practice generosity, it does something amazing in our lives. And, and those are the two things that we really want to accomplish in this series and understand. Generosity is the remedy for selfishness. When we practice generosity in our life, it demonstrates God's goodness and love towards others. There's no greater way to demonstrate God's goodness is by practicing generosity to others. Living a generous life will naturally draw you closer to God. It just does. You see, when we choose to live a selfish life, actually it draws us away from God. You say, well, why is that, Pastor Tom? Because generosity opens up your life. It opens up your life to the things of God. It opens up your life to to others. And all of a sudden, there's something powerful, and it draws us closer to God because we serve a generous God. But when, we, when we're selfish, and you guys know this, and you've heard me say this, when we get selfish, we start navel-gazing, you know, it's me, myself, and I. And what happens, we close ourselves off from everyone else in the, around the world, and we even start to close ourselves off from God. Generosity opens our heart and our mind to the things of God, where selfishness closes our heart and, and mind, and it remains only on ourselves. And that leads us to today's message. The title of my message today is Generosity Through Faith. Generosity Through Faith. Living a generous life requires that we live by faith and not by fear. You can't live a generous life if you're going to stay, stay in a state of fear. The only way to get to generosity is by living a life of faith. And today I want to read a parable to you found in Matthew chapter 25. Pretty famous parable. It's entitled either the parable of the talents or the parable of the three servants. And we're going to start at verse 14. And if you have your Bibles or if you have a a device that you look your Bible on, I encourage you to leave it open today on that passage of Scripture. This is the one passage we're going to focus on. We're not going anywhere else today. And so I want to read God's Word uh, to you today, starting at verse 14 of Matthew 25. These are Jesus' words. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, and he earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called called them to give an account of how they had used 
his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you uh, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one, and we're going to skip on down to verse 24, because the, the same thing happens to the, the servant that had the two bags of silver. He invested, he got two more. So let's go down to verse 24 to the one who had the one bag of silver. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from, from those who do, do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. We need to pray after that one. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today's word. And God, we know that your word is true. And we know that your word sometimes uh, is difficult. But God, we know that it's also life-changing. And I pray today by the power of your Holy Spirit that God, our eyes and our, our mind and our heart will be open to the things of you. As I, as I share every week, God, I pray that we don't leave the same way we entered. I pray, God, we'll be touched by the power of your spirit today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Jesus shares this parable with his disciples to really reveal how the kingdom of heaven operates. I started thinking about it as I was reading this. It almost operates like, it almost reminds me of an employee policy manual. Have you ever had an employee policy manual? You start a new job and you're given this employee policy manual. You start looking down. What's the first thing you always look at? How many vacation days do I get? And you start, you know, you start looking at all the things. But there's policies in an employee policy manual that helps to operate that business. Jesus is really, guess what? He's a business owner, and he's sharing about the kingdom of heaven. And he says, this is how the kingdom of heaven operates. And he shares this parable. He gives us some insight of how it operates. And the first thing we see is this, that God has given us all resources or talents. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. God has given us all the resources and talents. But what, what are we going to do with the resources that God has given to us? Are we going to be selfish or are we going to be generous? What will you do with what has been entrusted to you? Just like a business, guess what? A boss entrusts you with something and you're going to have to, you're going to, he wants you to do what is right by that business. God wants us to do what's right by the kingdom of heaven. As I shared over the last few weeks, money, time, possessions, even our giftings or talent will test your DNA. It'll test who you are. Even how we use God's word is a way to test our DNA. Do we use God's word to condemn? Or do we use God's word to give life? 
Everything, everything that God gives us, well, guess what? We have a decision. How are we going to use it? Will we use the resources that God has given us towards generosity or will we use it towards selfishness for our gain? The reason it's so important that we understand this concept is because God is entrusting us with his possessions. There will be a day when Jesus returns and he will evaluate what we have done with the resources that he's entrusted us with. Did we multiply and waste God's resources? Or guess what? Or did we waste God's resources or did we multiply God's resources? We see in this parable how God rewards faith. How generosity flows through a conduit of faithfulness. I've, I've discovered this in my life. When all of a sudden I start becoming selfish and I start thinking about myself, me, myself, and I. And all of a sudden there's just... All of a sudden, there's no conduit of what the blessings of God wants to do. As soon as I step out in faith and I make a decision to be generous like my God is generous to me, all of a sudden, I create this conduit. And I, I call it the conduit of faith where all of a sudden, there's just generosity. And God continues to bless us because he is looking for generous people. We represent him. We represent him. Just like as a business owner, I talked about the policy manual. That employee represents you, right? If you have a business here, when you, get, you can get upset at an employee when the employee is doing something wrong because guess what? That's a representation to your company. And guess what? God wants us to represent him well. We see in this parable how God rewards faith. And how generosity flows through the conduit of faithfulness. This doesn't mean that God is some kind of vending machine. It doesn't mean that you put a couple quarters in and all of a sudden God, you're going to demand from God to give you something back. It doesn't work that way. We don't have the right to demand from God. But we have the faith to believe in God. Let me say it again. We don't have the right to demand from God, but we can have the faith to believe in God, that our God is generous, that he is loving, that he is caring, that he is full of grace and mercy and freely gives to those he loves. In this parable, the talents, the master left on a long trip and he entrusted the three servants with his money. It's important that we understand that the parable deals more than just with money, but it deals with everything that's his possessions. Everything that he's entrusted with us, because everything is God's. The key is that the master entrusted his three servants with what is his. Jesus in this parable is illustrating the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is going to, this is the important thing that you understand that with this parable is that Jesus was about ready to ascend into heaven. He's talking to his disciples about this story. And he's, he's basically giving them the parallel. It's an illustration. That's how it starts off. It talks about the kingdom of heaven is like this. He gives them an illustration. And he wants his disciples to understand, I'm entrusting you with my creation. But there's a day I'm going to return. I want to know what you have done with what I've entrusted you to with. Think of that amazing thought. Until Jesus return, we are stewards of his creation. It's not really any different than what happened in the Garden of Eden. Where God made Adam and Eve and he made them the stewards of the garden. Now they failed, right? But there's a new Adam. His name is Jesus. He came and died for our sins. Set us free from the bondage of sin. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, this is your creation now. I, I need you to steward it well. 
And ultimately, what does that mean? It means that we use God's resource to share the good news of Jesus to all creation. That's what's so important. As I think of Mother's Day, I think of the wonderful opportunity and the responsibility that God has given moms. Think about this, the ability to create. Have you ever thought about it? Moms, I have no idea. Don't even talk to me about birthing process. But you have been given the ability to give birth to God's creation. What an amazing responsibility. As a mom, you've been entrusted with his children. And sometimes I think we forget about that, that, that every baby is God's child. Every person is God's child. Psalms 139.13 states these words. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. What a powerful statement. Children are God's creation. They are to be cherished and loved. And what a wonderful opportunity as moms here today that you've been given that responsibility. Not that fathers don't have that, but there's something about a mom that nurtures, that cares, that loves. You're loving God's creation. It leads me to my first thought. We are stewards of God's resources. That's the first thought I get from this parable of the talents. We are stewards of God's resources. God has given every one of us different resources and gifts, and it's our responsibility to be good stewards of what he's given to us. In this parable, God divides his possessions among three servants. Say three servants. He divides them among three servants. This is something we miss so many times. According to their abilities. In this parable, God divides it according to the ability. Remember, he gives the one servant how many bags of silver? The second servant, he gives how many bags of silver? And the last one? It's interesting that in this parable, the two servants with the most were the ones who were successful. It was only the servant with the least who failed to manage the money well. Why didn't Jesus reverse the parable? Why did Jesus share the parable this way? If you know what a parable is, it's a story that's to display truth, but it's a made-up story. It's a story, it's an illustration in today's modern language. Jesus is giving, why did Jesus share the illustration this way? Why didn't he say, man, you know what? The one that was the least, he was successful, he invested it well, and I'm, but the one with the two with the most, man, they didn't, they didn't do as well, and so I had to take from them. Why is it reversed? I'm going somewhere because I always read scripture and I'm thinking, Lord, why, why would you do it this way? And I love to think of that direction. Could it be that the servant with the five bags of silver had already proven successful? Could it be the servant with the two bags of silver had already been proven successful? The scripture states that Jesus divided the silver according to their talents, according to their abilities. This speaks to God's desire for us to be good stewards. He desires that we steward what he has given to us well. The two servants who received the greater amounts had already, this is my opinion, they've already proven their abilities. He says, you know what? I'm going to divide it according to your abilities. You guys are going to get this. You guys are going to get this. Hey, you're starting off here. I'm going to give you the one. Let's see what you can do with it. See, it, here's another thing. Some of you guys want more of God's blessings. It will not benefit you to have more of God's blessings unless you have the ability to be responsible for God's blessings. Because one day we're going to have to give an account to what we have. And if we don't do well with God's blessings, guess what? It just brings greater judgment upon our lives because God wants us 
to use his investments well for his kingdom. And so many times we want more and more and more. Well, wait a minute. Maybe God is just waiting for you to prove that you're responsible with what you have. We see in this parable that when God sees greater ability, then God will also bless you with greater gifts. Once again, don't get stuck on just finances. Yes, God, some of you, some of you have a gift with finances. God has blessed you with that gift. And that's your gift, and you need to honor God with that. But some of you have been blessed with talents of music. Some of you have been blessed with talents with nurturing or care. Or you you have this ability to love people in such a powerful way, and and God has put you in a place where you can love one another. Some of you have the ability to do carpentry work, and God has given you that gift. And my my daughter-in-law, our youth pastor's wife, our Mother's Day deal, she made that. I'm so proud of you, Daniel. I, don't believe, I can't do anything like that. It's so cool. And she goes, she finds extra two-by-fours over at Jeff's shop. I'm going to pick those up, and I'm going to make a, a cool thing for a Mother's Day Photoshop. How cool. Those are gifts that God has given us. How are we using the gifts that God has given us? God desires that, desires that we steward those resources. Brings me to a second thought. God rewards stewardship. There's an old saying the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poor. Have you ever heard that saying? And most of the time it's said in a negative way. It's not said in a positive viewpoint. But maybe the saying that we say that, you know, the rich keeps getting richer and the poor, maybe it actually reflects stewardship. Maybe it actually reflects something that we see in the Bible. That maybe the rich keep getting richer because they're better stewards of, of the money. And the poor keep getting, because they're, they're worse stewards. I'm not, don't, don't look at me. I'm just think, saying a thought. The servant with the one bag of silver had the one bag of silver taken from him. Why? Because he was a poor steward. Do you remember where the one bag of silver went to? It went to the one who had the ten bags. He had five bags. He was given five more. Now he has ten bags of silver. And he take, the master takes it from the one and gives it to the one that already has ten. That's not fair. Doesn't seem fair, does it? Let me, let me ask you this. Who would you entrust your wealth to? Who would you entrust your business to? Who would you entrust your retirement portfolio to? Someone who is lazy and, 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 and doesn't want to work hard? And, or would you entrust it to this person that is wise, that knows how to work hard, that's been proven, that's, been, that's shown that he can do it before? You're not going to just give over every, something that you have that's valuable to someone that's not proven, that's lazy, doesn't want to get up in the morning. You're going to give it to someone that you know that's going to be able to invest it and do it well. God, there's no difference. God is entrusting what he has given to us to the ones that are the best stewards. God rewards stewardship. Many times we look for the rewards of life without the responsibility. I'll say that again because it just went right on past. Many times we look for the rewards of life without the responsibility. We want the blessings of God without the accountability. In verse 19, after the master returned from home, guess what? After he returned from his trip, Guess what? There's accountability. He asks the service, give an account of what, how have you invested my money? How, what's the return that's taking place? And Jesus is reminding us that one day we all will have to give an account 
to, what the, to the resources that God has given us. And the first step of good stewardship is simple. It's not mine. It's not mine. I have been put in charge. And I'm going to honor God by being a good steward of what is his in my life. God has given me what is rightfully his and desires that I use it for his best interest. And when we do so, I believe God blesses us with more. This is where the servant with the one bag of silver messed up. He went and hid his master's money instead of even investing it. God had blessed the servant, but the servant was afraid to step out in faith. The servant responded out of fear instead of faith. Fear focuses on losing. Faith focuses on winning. What you focus on is what you will be given. I truly believe that. Have you ever seen the video where the kid or the teenager is riding his bicycle and all of a sudden he, he sees a telephone pole and all of a sudden that bike, there's nothing he can do. All, there's, there's tons of space around the telephone pole. But it seems like the only thing he can do is hit that telephone pole. He runs right into it. Why is that? Because his eyes get focused on the telephone pole. He can't see anything else. So many times what happens in our life, fear all of a sudden grabs us, and our fear starts to make him focus on what we're going to lose. You see, faith gives us a focus of what we're going to gain, what we're going to win. Fear makes us, and so what happens in our lives is so many times we start having this fear. Isn't fear always about loss? Isn't it always about afraid of what we're going to lose? And what happens, so many times we go right down that road and we run into the telephone pole and we lose. It's the story of the parable. The one who had the one talent, he responds to, faith, to, to the talent given to him in fear. And he goes and digs a hole and he buries it into the ground, covers it up because he doesn't want to lose it. And what takes place? When the master returns, guess what? He takes the one and takes it away from him. He loses it. And the two servants that respond in faith, when they're given the talents, when they're given the giftings, when they're given the resources, they say, man, we, what a blessing. We're going to take that. We're going to use it for a greater purpose. And guess what? They multiplied it. And when the master comes home, he goes, you know what? You get more. Because they weren't running in fear. They were focused in faith watching what God can do through their life. What you focus on is what you will be given. It leads me to my next thought. Fear restricts generosity. Fear restricts generosity. I can state another. Fear restricts anything in your life. Fear of not having enough. Fear of what others might say. Come on. Fear of what others might say. How many of you have been restricted by that? Fear of not having enough. Fear of judgment, fear of embarrassment, you fill in the blank. Look at verse 24. The servant who responded out of fear tried to blame his lack of responsibility back onto the master. I knew you were a harsh man. That's what he said. I knew you were a harsh man. That's why he said he went and buried. He didn't want to lose what he had. I knew what you were a harsh man. So he goes and buries the, the, the talent that he has, the bag of silver that he has. But I don't think he really knew the master at all. 
How did the master respond to the other two servants? He responded in generosity and gave them more responsibility. He says, let's celebrate together. Let's party together. Man, you, you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You see, the one servant, servant didn't know the master. And boy, I'll tell you what, that's a whole other message. How are you ever going to serve Jesus if you don't know Jesus? You got to get to know Jesus. You got to get to know your master. You got to get to know God that he's a generous and loving and caring and desires the very best for your life. If you don't understand that, then guess what? You're always going to serve God out of fear than instead of serving God out of faith. Because if you understand that God wants to bless you, he 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 is for you, not against you, then all of a sudden you step out in a greater way in faith. Look at the next words from the servant. I knew you were a harsh man. Then he says, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. What does that mean? What is the servant saying? He's basically saying, I know that you require more from me than what I want to give. I know, I know, I know but man, walk into your boss's day, what? You're gonna, you want, you remember how much you pay me, right? You want me to do all this? This is what, this is what, you gave me one talent. You want me, but I know you're going to harvest the crops that you didn't plant. I'm going to do all the hard work. And then you're going to gain all the benefit. That's not, say it with me, that's not fair. The servant didn't say, that's not fair. I put that in there myself, okay. But I can guarantee you that's what he's thinking. Why do I know that? Because that's the way selfishness thinks. Selfishness always blames other for others for their problems. Selfishness always talks with an entitled spirit. It's what keeps many people from committing to Jesus. They don't, they don't want the responsibility that comes with following Jesus. They want all the benefits, but not the accountability. Besides, if I choose to follow Jesus, who would I blame for all the problems that I have? i got to blame somebody. I'm just teasing. I'm not going to blame myself. See, that's that entitled spirit. That's a selfish spirit. And let's remember the first step in salvation is what? It's basically admitting that you need a Savior. Admitting that you have sins. Admitting that you have wrongs. Admitting that I can't do this thing. I need a Savior. And we serve a generous Savior who is full of forgiveness, who is full of love. Many times the fear of acknowledgement, acknowledging our sins restricts us from receiving the generous blessing that God has for us. We just don't want to acknowledge it. Repentance is so important. I, I don't know why, it just, it's not, it just hit me. Repentance, some of us, we don't understand how important repentance is in our life. When we've done wrong, there's a God that wants to forgive you. All we have to do is surrender to him and say, Lord, Man, I don't know why I did that. Forgive me. He'll forgive you. If you mean it from your heart, he forgives you. So important. God, and let me show you this truth with you. God is 100% crazy about you. He always has your best interest in mind. How 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 can you say that, Pastor Tom? Because God is perfect and he is generous and he is full of love. His love is perfect love. 
He always has your best interest in mind. It might not be what you think is best, but God knows what is best. See, you can't be fearful of God. You must step out in faith and put your trust in him. And it leads me to my last thought that I want to share with you. Just as fear restricts generosity, faith releases generosity in our life. Notice that the other two servants trusted their master. They weren't fearful. They didn't go and bury the silver that the master gave them. They knew their master had their best interest in mind. They didn't respond in fear. They didn't respond to the fear, to the responsibility given to them. They stepped out in faith. As a result, the master made them ruler over much. He gave them greater responsibility and greater rewards. And here's the key truth to remember for all of us here today. And I've said it multiple times already in this message, and I'm going to say it again. Everything belongs to God. And it never stops. This is the thing we forget. It never stops belonging to God. It's God's creation. It's his for the taking at any point. And we always remain stewards of his creation. If you want to enjoy more of God's creation, if you want to enjoy more of his resources, if you want to enjoy more of his love, if you want to enjoy more of forgiveness, if you want to enjoy more, guess what? Start giving it. Watch what God will do in your life. He will start giving more and more and more. God wants us to be generous. Does it come with more responsibility? Yes. But it also comes with rewards. See, God has given you the ability to manage the responsibility. And this is a word for some of you. God has given you the ability to manage the responsibilities. God has given you, you just got to have faith to believe in it. Instead of responding in fear, you got to have faith that God has blessed me with this and I know that God would not bless me with this unless he had given me the ability to manage it well. Now, the only thing that's going to hold you back is if you step in fear instead of stepping in faith. God wants you to step in faith, trusting him, remembering that he's given you the ability. It reminds me of a funny story. See the keyboard's on, so it means that we're coming to a close. It reminds me of a funny story of a man in a church who came to his pastor. He said, Pastor, man, I need prayer. He said, you need prayer? I need prayer, Pastor. Why? I'm just having a hard time tithing, Pastor. And Oh, I knew this was going to, and someone said, oh, I knew this, this is a funny story. Just walk with me on it. I'm having a hard time tithing. Why? Well, Pastor, when I first started out, man, I was making, you know, $50 a week. Every week I was faithful. I'd give $5 of my tithes. And then, Lord, man, I was blessed. And I started making $500 a week. And, man, every week, Pastor, I gave $50 religiously. My, my first fruits, my tithe. But, Pastor, now I make $5,000 a week. My tithe is $500 a week, Pastor. That's a lot of money. I'm just struggling for some reason, Pastor. Will you pray with me? Pastor says, absolutely. I'll pray with you. Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, you will reduce Jim's salary back down to the $500 so that he can honor you once again with his tithe.
In Jesus' name. Some of you actually bowed your heads right there. I saw you do that. It's a funny story. But I share that story because it illustrates a common misconception about generosity. We have this weird thinking that generosity is going to run out. Where does your generosity end? God's generosity has no ceiling. It never ends. If you need forgiveness, there's an abundance. If you need mercy, there's an abundance. If you need grace, there's an abundance. If you need resources, there's an abundance. You see, I think the only thing that holds us back from the resources that God wants to give us is ourselves. By responding in fear, instead of having an open hand of faith in every area of our life, watch what God can do in and through your life. Faith doesn't put limitations on God. When we are faithful, it releases the generosity of God to flow through our lives. God doesn't want to harm you. He wants to bless you. Step out in faith and be generous with what God has given you. Otherwise, what has been entrusted, and this is the story, what's been entrusted to you will be taken away from you. Don't let your salvation be taken away from you. He has entrusted you with his love. He's entrusted you with his forgiveness. Take what he's given to you. Honor it. Don't ever let anything steal away your salvation. And then start giving it to others. Hey, I have a generous Savior. Have you heard about my Savior? His name is Jesus. Listen to the verse 29 again, Matthew 25. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Let's not fear the one who provides everything to us. Let's embrace God and trust Him with all that He has, our careers, our children, our homes, our resources, our love, our faith, our forgiveness. Don't bury your talents. Some of you need to go and unbury the talents God has given you. Some of you, this is a word for someone here today. Woo. Some of you need to go unbury forgiveness. You've buried forgiveness. You need to go dig it up and you need to start forgiving. You buried love. I've been hurt and I'm going to bury it and I'm fearful and I don't want anyone. You need to go dig it up, unbury it and start giving love again. You, uh, you bury the talents, the gifting that God so desperately desires that you use for His kingdom, for the heavenly kingdom. He wants you to use it. You can't bury what God has given you. What treasure have you buried that God wants you to take it out and He wants to use it for the kingdom? Maybe it's the ability to speak and you need to go out and speak forth. Maybe it's the ability to worship and sing. Maybe you're not even a great singer, but you have the ability to worship. Unbury the talent, the gift that God has given you. Watch what God will do in and through your life. Generosity flows through faith. Say that with me. Generosity flows through faith. Again, generosity flows through faith. I believe with all my heart that God is looking for a generous people. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that your word as in scripture says it will not return void we have that promise when your word is spoken when we read your word Lord God I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit it takes roots deeply in our heart and into our lives and it starts to change us from the inside out God for whatever we might need today 
I pray, God, an abundance of blessing as we, Lord God, step out in faith. For some of you here today, maybe the first step of faith is to just to say, Lord, I need to serve you. I need to put down my selfishness and I need to surrender to you. And if that is you here today, it is so simple. Maybe you're watching this online. You're saying, Pastor Tom, whew, I just need to be re recommit my life to you. Jesus. It's been rough. It's been tough. It's been difficult. You don't know what I've been going through. Guess what? Jesus is there. Jesus is there. He's always there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always available for you. I want to say a prayer on this Mother's Day for all those who maybe just need to either say a prayer of commitment to Jesus Christ for the very first time or maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus today. Will you say this prayer with me today? Just repeat it. Everybody here, repeat it with me today, online as well. Lord Jesus, today I surrender to you. Forgive me my sins. I pray that I will be a good steward of what you have given me. Help me to be generous to others, just as you are generous to me. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God good? He is faithful. Amen. Hey, as your pastor, I love you. Um, most important thing for you to remember though is that God loves you today. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.